This episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast is brought to you by On Point Pomade. Keep your beard and hair looking on point with their line of pomades and beard oils over at onpointpomade.com. Use our code BSP15 at checkout and get 15% off your total purchase order. So thanks again to On Point Pomade for sponsoring our show. This episode is also sponsored by The Bean Bastard Coffee. Head over to TheBeanBastard.com and pick up any one of their delicious hand-roasted coffees. Coffee lovers will also enjoy their hand-cut and handmade espresso candles and soaps as well. If you're in the Buffalo, New York area, head to their store located at 448 Elmwood Avenue. And thanks again to The Bean Bastard for supporting this show. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. With over 500,000 officially licensed items in their online store, you're guaranteed to find something you need. Use our code BRUTALLY and get 10% off your total purchase order. Now on to the show. People say you have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing. This rings true because it's so hard that if you don't, any rational person would give up. It's really hard. And you have to do it over a sustained period of time. So if you don't love it, and if you're not having fun doing it, you're gonna give up. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am your host, John. And this episode's guest is Tanner Wayne of In Flames. Um, This was... You know, another one of those where I constantly talk about, you know, things in life happening when they're supposed to, not when you want them to necessarily. And this was one where, you know, I had reached out to Tanner a while ago, actually sent him a DM on Instagram and sadly he just didn't see it. Um, And you'll actually hear a funny story about how there are a lot of DMs that he gets and uh, it's actually just a lot of like, what are you using to record your videos on Instagram? Uh, So he... I guess really doesn't check them <laughs> a whole lot since that's really all the extent of that his DMs are, um, which is fine. I, a lot of times when I DM people, I just assume, and I think I literally say like, I assume you're not going to see this, um, cause people are just flooded with whatever, uh, in their DMs. So it was one of those things where, uh, the band was putting out uh, a new hot sauce. They're getting ready to do this, uh, one of two legs for a fall tour, and I saw it as an opportunity to talk to Tanner. And, you know, I kind of do love, as uh, we end up saying, I think in the actual chat too, um, you know, I love kind of asking for the people who don't do a lot of press for the bands. And I know Tanner said when he got the request from management, he was like, are, are you sure they want to talk to me? <laughs> uh, I know Patrick has said the same thing uh, initially when I've, you know, asked to have him on the show. You know, and it's fun because to me, there's there's something to be said about the people you don't hear from. Um, you know, a, a lot of times when doing this podcast, you get a lot of people who, you know, do a lot of press and therefore they're kind of like, OK, here's another round of this thing that we're doing. I'm going to talk about the same thing, probably answer it the same way. And that's not what the show is. You know, the show really is something beyond that kind of superficial level of press. Uh, it's getting to know the people that, you know, we, we think we know that we love, you know, we love the art or the. Uh, things that they are and excel in uh, that makes them how we know them. So for me, it's uh, one of those things getting to talk to Tanner, 
you know, I know he knows a lot of people that have been on the show. He's close friends with these people. And, you know, as you'll hear us talk, you know, knowing and hearing Porter talk about people is kind of a really interesting barometer uh, for how we know someone's going to be good. Um, and I know I've had people tell me, they're like, oh, you know, I've heard Porter talk about you. And I know that was me smashing my elbow into my desk, by the way. Um, <laughs> I've had people tell me that, you know, people knew because Porter spoke so highly of me that, you know, then I knew you were going to be a good person. And having Porter speak so highly of Tanner as a person and as a musician and just all these things, you know, it was the same for me. I knew that once we actually sat down and, and we got to talk, I knew we were going to get along very well. And this chat was was no different. Um, you know, we talk about a lot of interesting kind of heady things, you know, kind of being unapologetically who you are into what you're into, um, exploring more of yourself from a creative standpoint, from a psychological and physiological standpoint as well. And it's, uh, it's one of those where this is where I can just, uh, really appreciate this medium for allowing me to, to connect with people that, you know, are strangers. It's funny when I try to pitch this show to people at times, you know, I had to do it recently in an email and it was like, you know, the, the show really isn't a, an interview. It's really just kind of a connection and a conversation between two strangers. Although I know who this person is typically and know a lot about them and they know nothing about me, but it's, it's finding the medium between the two of us and finding common ground and, and expounding upon that and, and building a relationship and a connection uh, that hopefully goes beyond just the show. But even if it doesn't, uh, it's it's great just to have that connection for an hour or, or however long the episodes are. So, And for that, I'm infinitely appreciative of uh, the time that I get with these people. And so without further ado, this is my conversation with Tanner Wayne of In Flames. I'll talk to you on the other side of it. <laughs> There is like nothing worse than actually starting off where you're like, oh man, that was like a really fucking great conversation. I'm so glad like that happened. And then you're like, fuck, it didn't record. Or like the one time I've also had uh, the file get corrupted. So you're just like, fuck. It's like, hey man, can we do that conversation again? And could you say everything you said already, please? The the unfortunate thing was, is it like when it happened, it couldn't have happened to like the nicest dude and like the best conversation. It was with Shannon from Godsmack. Oh, yeah. And we talked for like two hours and then we weren't even done. We had already planned on doing another one anyway afterward to get to the rest of like the glass jaw talk and stuff like that. And then I just told him, I was like, dude, the file got corrupted. I'm so sorry. He called me like an hour early off record. And then he's like, hey, let's just go. And I was like, all right three hours that we actually did so i was like dude like the nicest fucking guy who not only spent four hours with me on the makeup one but then spent the two hours with me the time before and i was like man like what an incredible person and just an i mean an amazing drummer on top of that yeah for sure it was so funny though because it's like you know it's kind of funny watching a lot of your instagram stuff and really this isn't this is just a conversation more than like an interview of like so tell me how you got your snare tone um yeah, yeah. 
kind of stuff. But it's it's crazy sometimes seeing like your Instagram reels and so forth and like kind of the throwbacks sometimes you'll throw in in your stories and so forth. And you're just like, fuck, I forgot how good like the drumming is on blank song or blank record or whatever. Is it kind of that same way for you sometimes like that inspires you to want to cover some of these songs is just like remembering how awesome like these things are and that maybe influenced you as a, as a drummer early on. Not to discount the perception of what my videos are and what they mean for certain people. Cause I know certain people are like, Oh my God, thank you for posting that because it gave me a throwback throwback vibe. But for me, I'm honestly sitting there about to record. And sometimes I'll have a list of songs and I'll, and I'll download them all and I'll make sure, okay, this is the list I'm going to do today. And sometimes I'm like, fuck, I have nothing to fucking do. So I look in the app where I get all the, you know, the audio ready. And those throwback songs, like a lot of the older shit are ones that I've like either bought or have had on my iTunes for so long that it bypasses Hmm. the, um, the legality of, of using it on the app. <laughs> so stuff, stuff like Blindside, Circus Survive, all these songs that I've had on my computer for a decade, it bypasses and it lets me use it in the app. It's a weird sitch. I mean, it, good for them that they've done that on their app, but it's literally just because I look and I go, oh, Blindside, cool, okay. I'll do that because the app lets me use that song. Oh, here's like AFI. So it's literally just that. And it's, for me, it's just... I've done who knows how many videos and I run out of shit to do. And right. at the end of the day, I'm always listening to older shit. You know, um, I'm a huge fan of whatever I can find these days is like new and relevant, but I love listening to older stuff that, that impacted me. You know, it's funny you say it like that because I feel like a lot of people, since I do this, assume that I'm just listening to new music all the time. And I was like, man, when I did more of an interview based thing, the amount of records that I would get and then back catalogs of said bands or whatever to where I feel like I had to start listening to music to find something completely different that no one has found or found a thing to talk about ruined fucking music for me because like I'm not listening to it to have fun and enjoy it. I'm listening to it like work. And it became this thing where I was like, I actually don't really listen to much of anything anymore more so I'll listen to podcasts, but it's funny. Cause like, I think I've hit this age being almost 40 now where I've started to sound like my parents and, and older people where it's like, like someone will be like, Oh, did you hear this new whatever? And in nothing discrediting them, but it'll be like Tala or whatever. And I'll be like, yeah, but it reminds me of insert band that they were inspired by when I was a younger person that first came out. And I was like, I'd rather just go listen to the thing that it, it was inspired by personally. And I know that makes me sound so old and gatekeepy, but like, that's just the reality of where I'm at now. <laughs> By the way, have we started or are we just chatting? Yeah, no, we, we started, but I can also we cut started. shit out because we're not like live anywhere. No, you're good. Um, honestly, it's the same for me. And I don't think that's, I don't think anyone should be, I don't, I don't think anyone should feel bad in that regard. You know what I mean? Like for there's certain people that can listen to 10 bands that sound the same and and for me you know how old are you i'm gonna be 38 in like three weeks yeah so i'm 34 for me it's like i have let's put it in a way like i have only so much in my musical 
digestion that it's like, yeah, if you show me, I, I'm not going to name any bands, but like if you show me a band and it sounds like something that I actually love, but it sounds like either the same or it sounds worse, like a, like a <laughs> watered down version. I'm <clears throat> yeah. I, uh, especially in the heavy music scene, I'm not doing it. Like I, I just can't digest it. That's, that's all it is for me. I, I literally, I can't give it my, my all in terms of listening to it. Cause I'm not there for it. Whereas like me, I fucking listen. I don't listen to, I, I'm never looking for new metal. I'll give it a shot, but like, I literally listen to R and B. I listen to pop. I listen to indie. Um, for some reason, for me, I mean, I guess it makes sense. Like, I'm gonna find new stuff like that that affects me because I feel like that musical world is always gonna have some sort of uniqueness in comparison to metal. You know what I mean? Like. He only riffs so much, like, <laughs> and, and then at the same time, there's bands that are trying really hard to be special and unique, and then sometimes I'm turned off by how special and unique they're attempting to sound. Now it sounds like this weird thing um, that I can't even wrap my head around because it sounds like they're trying so hard to be something special that it's just odd for my ears. But honestly, again, like I'm listening to R and B and pop most of the time. I mean, it's funny, like, I am I know I've said this on the show quite a bit, and I've even gotten called out for it at times, because between, you know, like, I went and saw my friend who was the drummer for a train, and Jewel opened up, and I was like, this is cool, I've never seen Jewel. I had a fucking blast, yeah. you know, Blues Traveler, Train, Jewel, like, all this kind of shit. And, you know, like, a week later, I went and saw Rod Stewart, and, like, a lot of people were like, Sick. you seem like you really like metal, and I was like... I mean, I do, but like, I also grew up on a completely different era of music. Like, you know, growing up in the eighties, you know, in the mid eighties, I'll say, you know, I was a product of the MTV generation. So it's like yeah. at any given point on, on the hours, it's like, I'd get alternative music. I'd get R and B like yo MTV raps. I'd get, you know, metal with headbangers ball. So I was introduced to a lot of different shit. And plus, if you even yeah. look back at that same era, popular music was, a little bit of everything. I mean, anything from your like metal to like Motley Crue and stuff like that to Amy Grant, Mariah Carey, boys to men. And, you know, mm -hmm. even I grew up in the East coast originally and it's like, we were a melting pot, you know, being like an hour or so away from Philly. It's like just being over there, like East coast, like we didn't have the internet. So geographically, like you had very geographical centric music. And it's weird when people kind of get mad when you're like, Man, I still felt like when you posted that Aaliyah video a while ago, I was like, oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Like that is, I mean, as you can see the skate decks behind me, like she is one of my favorite artists, like hands down. And I think, you know, with her, it was 21 years of her passing, uh, I think about a week ago. And it was one of those things, you know, I was reading a lot about people talking about working with her, what she was like and all that kind of stuff. And it, and it was really interesting to go back through and think about how, she really changed the landscape of popular music for R&B and hip hop because she crossed over into both. But from a production standpoint, because I don't think people realize that had she not given Missy and Timbaland a leg up on her second record for one in a million, we may not have the Justin Timberlake, Sinelli Furtado's and all the shit that like Timbaland has done. We may not have, you know, some of the stuff that even a producer like uh, Pharrell and the Neptunes, we may not have some of those people because they may not have the artists that would have been inspired 
from working with Timbaland and working, you know, with Aaliyah's music. So it's crazy to like see how much of a stamp that some of these other genres that metalheads don't want to like or think it is lesser than, but how it has inspired so many fucking people. And I can't help but think like as a musician, it's like listening to hip hop beats and R&B beats probably allows you to think differently about how you want to approach a part for a metal band. And maybe your influence for a song that you're doing within flames or somebody might be like, yo, I was fucking around with some Otis Redding the other day. And there was this like crazy little fill in, in this bridge section and boom, it inspired me to do this. It wasn't listening to Pantera. Sorry. <laughs> Honestly, like uh, well put. I mean, for me, I mean, you to start like you expressed about what we're exposed to at the end of the day, and I and I really appreciate what how I was exposed to music because again I would wake up, I turn the TV on, and whatever MTV was playing. Sometimes it was a Treyu, sometimes it was Bleeding Through, but I loved it all. And I feel for closed-minded music listeners because you're missing out. It's like only eating cheeseburgers all the time. You realize that there's tacos and sushi down the road, right? Like, why not? Like, I, I I'll never understand closed-minded music listeners. And I tell my I tell fans at um meet and greets all the time because they always want to know what are you listening to what are you listening to i am not the classic metal head in regard i'm not gonna lie to them i'm gonna tell them yo this is what i've been listening to and they look at me like what the fuck is he talking about and it's like bro i'm not gonna fucking lie to you and i and and i learned from the beginning of my touring career to not have guilty pleasures um musically like i i when i first started touring i was in a hardcore band and all we listened to at night to fall asleep was John Mayer, Coldplay. Um, oh, that first right? Coldplay record. Yeah. Like there's um, that four-part Thrice record was out, so we listen to Thrice Water all the time. And it's like, I don't, I, I feel for the closed-minded listener because they're kind of brainwashed. And it, it, again, if you just like metal and that is all what it is, cool. But the people are like, oh, fuck that band. And you know what? Like, fuck that music. Sorry, bro. Like, you're honestly missing out on life. You're missing out on something that you actually could enjoy. Um, so for me, yeah, like I'd wake up, I was blasting Neptunes in my headphones, eighth grade library 24 seven. And, and that affected me so much. I loved, I mean, I grew up loving pop. Um, and again, it's because now as a music listener, you're far, you're far more capable to customize your music experience. For us, we didn't have that. We yeah. had what the TV was showing us and maybe what the front row of Target CDs were. If you went to Target, if you went to Warehouse Music, you went to certain um, stores to go buy a CD. That's And, and I love that because um, now, again, you can just listen to metal and you can say fuck that to everything else. But again, I woke up, there was Missy Elliott and I was like, oh, that's rad. Oh, and the next video was Hoobastank. I don't know, like... And I love that shit. And I, and, and again, as I tell my students, my drum students and fans and whatever, it's like, if you're listening to this many genres, your ability as a musician is going to trump anyone who's in the closed minded, narrow, you know, and, uh, head, headspace. And, um, and again, like our new single after the intro is this drum break and people are probably like, oh, this is heavy as shit. It's literally like hip hop. Like you could, someone could rap over that whole thing. And it, you know what I mean? And again, like a lot of us, like Anders, our singer, you know, he, he, 
we listened to Travis Scott. We listened to tons of shit. And why not, man? Open your ears <laughs> up. It's funny. I had a uh, the other day the new uh, last week DJ, the DJ Khaled record came out, and I always yeah. find it interesting because I. I hate to discredit him because I don't really think he's actually a producer in the sense that everyone thinks he is. I think he hires people to make music and he's basically a curator of said things. I think that's where he's at in his career, but you know, he always kind of pulls the best out of people uh, with whatever he does. And that the title track God did nothing against Rick Ross, nothing against Wayne, but Holy shit, 20 plus years of listening to Jay-Z and he puts out that fucking basically the whole song. And I'm still listening to that one verse just going like, God damn, God damn. Like, like that's, that's the crazy thing to me. And like, I don't feel like there are a few bands, like actual bands. I feel like that I've been able to grow with. And I've made this comment recently about how, you know, the thing for me, that's interesting about listening to Jay-Z when I go back, you know, yes, I do love reasonable doubt. I still love volume two. I still love the blueprint. Like those are kind of my three that I go back to. But it's one of those where you can literally hear the evolution of a a child basically becoming a man. He doesn't sing or rap about the same shit. Mm -hmm. Like he's grown as an artist from like where he started to where he is. You can literally hear the evolution, see it in all of the ways he's presenting himself, you know, doing something like 444. Like that's a man. That's a grown man record with real shit, real insecurities as an adult that you go through. That's not the same shit you're hearing about on volume two. And I don't, I personally haven't really seen that kind of a growth in hardcore and metal from my standpoint of like where I go. I feel like I've grown with that band. Like I've grown with bands, but I don't feel like there's ever really been that big of a growth where I'm like, I'm growing with this band. We're kind of hitting the same strides as people. Well, cause they probably lose their career if they grew that much. They, uh, fans <laughs> might, fan- Fans might not be willing to join them on that journey if they if they grew that much, which again is an ode to the fact of how close minded uh, the metal community can be at times. Because um, I agree. Look at Thrice. Look at Random. It's not as much cred, I guess, but like you know, like Bring Me the Horizon. Oh, hundred uh, di- Different realm completely. Um, not to say cred. I, I love Bring Me the Horizon. Um, yeah. And they're but they're very lucky, very lucky that the fans stuck around. You know what I mean? Because like bands, I mean they did it gradually. But I was gonna say they did it gradually, where a lot of bands don't do that. I think Deftones is one of the other ones that gradually kind of sprinkled the the changes, no pun intended, yeah. across the discography. So it wasn't as drastic as other bands who were like like a uh, hundredth, where it's like we're a hardcore band now we're an indie rock band. One and I record, love hundredth, oh, great band, I... both iterations. Funny enough, I I didn't listen to the first iteration. I, I, yeah, I don't think even, maybe I've listened to a song, but like when I first toured Europe, every fucking kid was wearing 100th. And I was like, what is this band? They were merch demons. Like, I feel like they <laughs> probably still are. I bought some of their shit. I mean, it's because I'm a fan, but um, yeah, when it went out, that's what blew my mind. That's what got me into hundredth, and I was like, "What the? F- why is every fucking person wearing hundredth? This is trippy." Looked them up. I was like, "Okay, they're like a hardcore band. That's cool." And then I guess I don't know how I got exposed to their new wave of stuff, but I've over listened to every one of their new things, and and I'm constantly posting about it and 
Sorry, there's a gardener near me. No, you're good. Um, I absolutely love, you know, I loved that first record that was kind of like, oh shit, we've changed. Um, rare. I remember what the record was. Rare. Uh, yeah. And then the they put out another one that's the softer version of that, right? Yeah. Like ultra like rare or something rare, like that. Ultra yeah. rare. Oh my God. I love that one even more. Like incredible. Because again, like for me, I'm a fucking sensitive guy. I don't care to say it. I'll put it out there. I'm sure we'll talk about mental health at some point. But for me, um, I'm susceptible to what music does to me when I listen to it. So I can't listen to metal all the time. I'll be oh, yeah. an angry, um, uptight, stressed person. I'm listening to stuff that chills me out. You know what I mean? Like it's ultra rare is perfect. Put that on. I'm relaxed, chilling. Um, hence why I listen to what I listen to. Well, I mean, it's interesting. I, I I've never really thought of this until just now, but it, it seems like such a just obvious, I'm going to obvious statement, but you know, I think that's the difference between going when I go to like hip hop shows, go to all different kinds of concerts, metal shows feel like a cathartic release of whatever it is that's going a push pull kind of dynamic between the sets and so forth between band and fan. I don't get that same feeling that same, like, Oh, like I've let something out of me, whatever it is. I, I don't get those same feelings when I go to a hip hop show. It's all about a fucking mood. And usually it's enhanced by weed or whatever, but, or some alcohol and you just, it's vibing. It's a whole room of people just on a beat, just kind of having a good time. You go to some of these older shows like I've been going to, and it's more of nostalgic and just having a good time yeah. along dancing and having yeah. fun with everybody. And it's, I guess I've never really put that correlation that literally because of the environment that metal is kind of what it is, that those shows even are just very cathartic. Like it's, it's a release, like a huge release. And it's awesome. Metal shows, metal shows stress me out, bro. <laughs> it's so, <laughs> it's so funny that like when I'm on tour, I don't know why I don't understand it. Like I, I'm an anxious person. So when it comes to like, um, if I go, like I went to Slipknot recently Mm. And me and my lady were just fucking stressed, like 25,000 people. And you could just, again, I'm very susceptible to energy. And you could just feel the fucking, it's almost tension. You know what I mean? Like, at least for me, like, it was just like, fuck, here comes fucking Slipknot. This is intense and heavy. Um, yeah, in comparison to go seeing, I don't know. I don't, I couldn't tell you the last time I saw some other chill concert or something like that but you're right like you go to anything else like that and it's a party and everyone's there to fucking relax and chill and listen and dance and do whatever it's definitely a different different energy but for some reason thankfully like when i'm on tour i'm super comfortable and i'm super stoked on this next tour because fit for an autopsy is one of my favorite bands so i'll go and listen fucking every night i'm sure um hopefully because i'll be warming up and shit but um yeah definitely different fucking energy for sure i mean and again, it's a note to me expressing how I, I'm susceptible to the energy from music. So obviously there's going to be a different energy before Fit for an Autopsy goes on compared to <laughs> before, uh, you know, a hip hop band. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy, though, because I've seen uh, different people post like it kind of sucks because here in Grand Rapids, like I feel like and Michigan kind of in general, I don't feel like a lot of the Midwest when I go to like Chicago or other places. I don't feel like I see the crazy shows like I see people posting like videos from because I at least I'll say for our city, I feel like we're a very musician heavy city. 
So you get a lot of the people who are just like, mm, okay. Or like playing, like playing along with the drummer, playing whatever instrument it is that they play. And so they're just watching, they're watching the musicians play. And it's like, yeah, I kind of wish you'd get a little more into it though. Cause like, I mean, seeing Dillinger one for the first time, I was like, man, this is going to be absolutely batshit insane. It was probably the tamest Dillinger crowd you'll probably have ever seen. Because it was and, all these musicians like actually knowing what time signatures they're in. And, and yeah. <laughs> so it's like sometimes I feel like I get kind of ruined from an actual concert perspective of going to shows and stuff. And I mean, booking shows at one point in my life has completely ruined that side of it. Cause all I do is think numbers and guarantees and yeah. all that shit. And just kind of like, Oh, I'm glad I'm not on the hook for this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, um, but, we, I try to like, cause a lot of our shows, um, uh, you know, some of our shows, it, it will be a whole crowd of people with their, you know, arms closed or, whatever and and sometimes you know we'll get back to the green room and we'll immediately be like oh this was great or like fuck what the fuck were they doing you know and we i constantly normalize it by going guys what would you be doing if you went to the show and we all agree we'd be in the fucking back at the bar probably like this so it's like we and we go oh yeah okay whatever it's but it's tough you know like um well we've done headline festivals where it's kind of, it's kind of rough and like, there's no energy retrieval. There's no energy back and forth. And, um, we're like, shit, we drove two hours into the forest of Romania <laughs> and here we are. Oh shit. It's day three and everyone's hammered and exhausted. Um, so it's like you go and if you're headlining a festival, it's like you're, you're, you're literally going to expect the crowd to go ape shit. Um, and then when they're not, you're like, Oh fuck, I got to, I got to switch. I got to switch it up. Okay. Now I actually have to just like enjoy my own moment instead of living through the fans the whole time. It's, it's a, it's a trip for sure. Um, I think we played Grand Rapids on this tour, right? Have you seen that? No, you, you're not coming through here. The closest you're coming on this next one is Pierre's in Fort Wayne. Uh, you came through on the Megadeth tour. Uh, you played oh. Van Andel. What's the, what's the venue? The intersection? Yeah. Oh, I'll have to I'll have to hit you up after. I thought we'd come there. Um, nope. Um, looking right now at the tour with Fit for an Autopsy. Or no, you're playing Pontiac. You're playing the Crowfoot. But ah, I, there uh, we go. Good room. I saw you guys actually a couple years ago when you were with All That Remains for a couple of dates or vice versa. Okay, sick. Awesome. Um, I spent but, a decent amount of time in Michigan. I will be in Atlanta uh, when you guys are out here. Uh, that's one of my like annual things is going to Atlanta around my birthday. So I will Sick. be going and probably drinking way, way too many grizzes at the Elmer. Uh, <laughs> Hell yeah. That's like my favorite little dive bar out that way. Awesome. Um, no, something I, you know, it's actually, you kind of hit on it a little bit ago, but I think this is kind of a good segue into it. You know, you're, you're, as you've been talking, you, you obviously have said, you know, talking about how you take on a lot of like vibes and, and what's going on around you the fact that you're even aware of like having to shift mentally, I'll say of like, if the crowd's maybe not giving you that energy that you're, you're needing to feed off of and just kind of needing to go somewhere else for your own enjoyment of the set that you've probably played for the millionth time or whatever. How, how is it for you to deal with like when things are going apeshit for you, maybe not to 
take that in even where you're just like, oh shit, everything. Oh my God, everyone's going ape shit. Like, uh, like how do you not take that in, especially as the drummer to like, just, you know, stay on your beat and stay where you need to be for everyone else. Yeah. I mean, it's a learning, it's a learning thing for sure. I mean, I guess I went through X amount of years of the crowd, not giving a fuck at all. Um, it was maybe not until I played for a mirror that every single night people were absolutely destroying each other during our set. Um, so I guess I do, you know, cause it would be way harder if I like started my career as this ultra popular band. And then all of a sudden after I had to adapt to like being the underdog, you know what I mean? But um, when I was in Chiodos, a lot of our shows were kind of rough depending on what tour we were on. Um, when I was in that band, Undermined, a lot of our shows were pretty tough and just different mindsets. You know, I've been doing this for 16 years, so <clears throat> just developing different ways to go through it. And it's, it might sound weird to like the person who's never played a show in their life, but it's intense, you know, like going up, um, playing for an hour and a half. It's, it, it's not as simple as just playing to excite yourself, you know, like, um, especially when you've played that song every night for the past 40 shows. Um, so yeah, it just depends, you know, it's like certain songs are very busy and I'm just very wrapped up in that certain songs are, um, easier for me. And, and we, uh, we also fuck with each other a lot, you know, I think that helps keeps us, keeps us, um, having fun. Um, you know, I know my singer said that this is the most, um, fun in flames and most enjoyable in flames he's ever been a part of. Um, so I know we have a good time on stage. So, uh, depending on the show, a lot of the time it could feel like we're at rehearsal or it could, it could feel like we're in a small room together in front of a thousand people. Um, so there's definitely like a camaraderie between us. Um, especially if we're kind of having a weird show or whatever, but, um, the goal is to have a experience with the fans and hope that, um, you know, that retrieval and energy shift is, um, happening for the better during that. You know, it's funny you bring up the, that this, this iteration, you know, Andrews feels is, you know, the most enjoyable. I think sometimes as much as I, I love bands being together and, it's still the same people. I do think sometimes adding people in at different times, you know, hopefully if it's amicable at, at that best, hopefully, but I think it brings something. I think it kind of keeps things fresh. It keeps things new. Like, you know, for, you know, I think Atreyu is a great example, you know, cause I know Porter and, and the dudes having been around them uh, the last, you know, handful of touring cycles, you know, since they've come back, I'm not saying like it was like Alex is a bad dude or anything. I, he's always been cordial and nice to me and everyone around him, but it's just one of those when you hang out with them now, the vibe oh, yeah. is totally fucking different. The energy yeah. on stage is a hundred percent different. Oh yeah. And it's it's almost like it's sometimes like it, it sucks because it's like you want the band that like I was saying earlier, the band you grow up with. You want the band because it's like a marriage. You don't want your parents to break up. But unfortunately, once you see how happy everyone kind of is afterward, it's like, I'd much rather have both of you be happy doing whatever it is you need to do now, because then I get to kind of have the best of you, whatever that you is. And to me, I'll definitely say like, 
I mean, having seen in flames for a long time uh, myself over the years, it's, I would agree. I think the, it seems like the band is having fun and you can visually see that on the stage. And yeah. I don't feel like I can look back at some of the earlier years of me seeing them where I feel like it was work. We're here, we're punching in, we're playing our set. Yeah. And, and at least I can tell that I've see, I, I see bands um, that they seem disconnected. Um, random, random band I'd bring up is at times I see um, like falling in reverse stuff mm. and it looks like they have new members every tour and it just looks like um, Ronnie doing his thing with some dudes there. And it's like, it doesn't seem like a, a thing. Yeah. Um, mind you, I, I love some of those songs. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. I'm, I'm not hating on anything, but, um, but again, it's just an ode to, you can see, you can tell, that there's that band who goes up and they're like fucking very tight in more ways than one. They're having a great time. And then there's bands that you see that seem like everyone's in their own world. And it, and at least me, I, I can tell that kind of shit. And it, and it presents um, a different experience again, at, at least for me. Um, but yeah, that's the thing, you know, and, and, and Oh my God, I'm so stoked for a trade right now. Um, that last record they put out was incredible. And I, I, I drum teched for them for a while and I've been a friend and a fan for a long time. Um, yeah. Stoked to see what those guys do. It's kind of crazy to me, you know, at times with you, uh, doing as much as you have in teching and playing for as many different bands as you have. I'm kind of surprised in thinking about different situations, even like a falling in reverse situation when they did like lost their drummer for a little while, then I'm kind of surprised that people that maybe you're not the first person people would think of to call in a pinch and be like, Hey, would you at least fill in for this tour? Lucky enough for me, I am. Um, in however many people's Rolodex, you know, I, um, I think that's one of my, wow. My cat just <laughs> took my CBD joint in his mouth, the glass tube, not the actual joint and ran away with it. <laughs> What's up, guys? What are we doing here? CBD? Shout out Game Up Nutrition. CBD joins the best in the world. Um, yeah, I'm I'm super lucky that, you know, like, I'm very spiritual when it comes to certain things, and everything happens for a reason. The universe has been on my side since day one because my career has been fucking insane. You know, I'm, I'm not living in a mansion or I'm, I'm not driving a Tesla, but in terms of the path that it's gone on. Um, I'm so fucking lucky just to be here still. And I've never been in a band longer than a couple of years. So, you know, in the beginning of my career, um, there was one tour I went on that kind of just like set me up for a lot of shit. Um, was I was an undermined and it was undermined devil wears Prada, scary kids, scaring kids, Emery and, Chiodos. Um, I joined right after that. I joined Scary Kids, Scary Kids, and then I joined Chiodos after. Um, and then I recently played for Double Wars Prada. So I've just kept friendships and relationships throughout the 16 years. And because, especially with my videos, people know that I'm still active and still drumming all the time. 
when the time comes, um, I'm hit up, which is incredible, you know, um, very lucky for that. You know, I, again, I did Devil Wears Prada, um, last September, um, mm-hmm. around that time I was learning wage wars set to potentially fill in for them. They were dealing with some stuff. Um, I got hit up by all these bands. I'm, I'm again, I'm very lucky to get those opportunities all the time. Um, and yeah, just, I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful for that kind of shit. You know, it, it's funny. Cause as we've, we said earlier about how like, you're not necessarily super into, you know, playing metal and all that, even though that's kind of what you play predominantly in. Have you done much work like for live drumming for anybody in the hip hop or pop space or anything? Yeah. I mean, or even been asked foremost, to go tour with them. First and foremost, physically, I love playing metal, especially metal core. Um, if it's just straightforward double kick shit, I get kind of tired. Um, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> in flames is the hardest band I've ever been in in my life. And it's pushing me to be a better drummer every fucking day. Um, but I love physically playing like metal core and punk. Like that's physically my fucking jam. I, I love doing that kind of shit. Uh, but when in terms of like mentally and like grooving and stuff like that, I love playing other stuff. Um, but yeah, I did. I drummed for mod son. Hmm. Um, we just did some random shit. Um, funny enough, when I played like an actual like full show with Mod, it was me on drums, Black Bear, or he goes by Bear now, on yeah. bass and Mod Son. Hmm. That was the show. Um, I play. I played for LMFAO um, for a while. Um, Sky Blue of LMFAO. I was like living at his house and playing in Vegas every weekend, doing all the DJ sets, um, going down to South America, doing that. I played for um, Shwayze, which I'm embarrassed about, and he's a big piece (laughs) of shit, so I'll put that out there. Um, Fair enough. (laughs) Yeah, fuck that guy. Um, Yeah, I've done all types of shit like that. Um, Wherever the opportunity is, I'm I'm there for it. And, And again, that's thank God I'm into that kind of shit. And thank God I play that kind of stuff all the time. Or if someone offered me something like that and I couldn't do it, you, you don't want to be that kind of musician, especially if you're in my position to where you're, um, you're constantly hired to do different things. Like you need your, your, uh, you know, influences to be very vast. If you want to have more work, simple as that. Hundred percent. I think that's that's kind of the crazy thing at times. Like when looking at someone like you, is I feel like, like I feel like you would probably be just a monster fucking player down in like Nashville, like in the Nashville scene, like in a lot of the studio stuff, doing studio work. Just okay. Today I'm doing whatever, like extra percussion for whoever today, and then tomorrow I'm doing a fucking country pop record. The next day I'm doing whoever's here. Like I could see you being just a giant in that kind of a realm, just because of how expansive your not like your vocabulary of drumming can be for people. I, I tell people all the time that I wish I had the fucking mental capacity to live in LA. Cause I did for a while and it fucking destroyed me. It was just like fucking, ugh, I, I can't, I can't handle that place. Um, especially being from San Diego. It's like the opposite energy. Um, so how so as, as someone who's only been to LA on a trip, but never been anywhere else out that way. I, explain what you mean by that like how it changed you and then i'll tell you a story about like my experience going out there it's so fucking hectic dude i mean i lived there for two years 
when I was doing the LMFAO stuff. And um, for me, at the time, I was just bouncing around. I didn't have the luxury of living in San Diego. I had to be in LA to get opportunities. And it, it did help. And it did put me in different places that I needed to be. Um, but for instance, like going out, you know, I was younger. So we would be going out to clubs and bars and all this shit. And everyone just the classic rat race of what do you do, bro? What do you do, bro? Like, uh, everyone's just trying to like get something from each other. Um, you know, the fact that it took an hour for me to drive six miles to my brother's house, um, just everything. It was just too fucking much too, uh, too much of a facade. Everything just seemed fake. There wasn't a lot of people that was actually from there. It was just like really odd, just not my vibe. And again, I'm, I'm a, (laughs) I'll always be bummed that I couldn't adapt to just stay there for fucking ever because I would be working with more producers and I'm sure I would be doing more sessions and stuff like that. Um, but wherever I'm happiest and I'm, I'm happiest in San Diego. So it is what it is, but I have been looking into uh, entering Nashville world and trying to do that kind of shit because uh, yeah, I mean, I'm already playing different styles of music every day and I would love to have more work in, um, in regards to like studio stuff. It's funny because, like I said, I'm originally from the East Coast, and I realize I don't go back home very often. But when we've, like, my wife and I have traveled, you know, like going to Buffalo, going to you know the different pockets of the the New York boroughs, going to you know Philly, going to like different places out east again, and kind of rediscovering the East Coast as an adult uh, versus being a child. It's funny how I have lived here in Michigan most of my my actual life. But there's something about when I go back east or I find people from back east, like I just connect with them so fucking quickly because those are my people. Like just inherently there's something about us. And it's funny because when I went out to L.A., I felt very I felt very not welcomed, but not welcomed because I don't do things the way that are standard out there, I guess. Like and this is such a weird way of saying it, but like pre-bussing my table because I sat outside to eat somewhere and I went to take care of my shit and go put it away and I had people going what's wrong and I'm like nothing's wrong I'm literally just trying to take care of my own shit because it's my mess I made it so I'm going to take care of it and people are treating you like something's wrong and it's like I'm sorry that you're I guess upset that I'm trying to help you yeah um, you know, like even going like again, or I know it's not the same, but like, I also just didn't like the fact that it's like, it doesn't seem like anyone wants to do anything or like, like no one even starts working until like noon, one, two, like that's when everyone kind of seemingly starts getting up. And it's like, I have a photo when I was on sunset strip and I just literally was in the middle of the road at like 10 AM and just took a cool photo of like downtown LA or whatever. And I was like, the fuck is there no one up at 10? Yo. Yeah. That city, especially right there. That shit is asleep at that point. It's very bizarre. It's, it felt so weird. And I think the other thing that I have a problem, I'll say at least more with California. Cause uh, when I work for a screen printing company here that would do stuff for like DGK and diamond and all them, <clears throat> They would be like, we need final photo approval before you can run the thing. Okay, we're three hours behind. Why the fuck 
are you not awake to tell us that we can run this thing? But then you're going to stress the fuck out and be like this, all these 1500 pieces need to be done today. Yeah. Like then be on the phone and be ready. Why is it that the rest of the world is not working? Like, why aren't we all working together? Why do we work around your schedule? <laughs> yeah. They're on Hollywood schedule. Yeah. I, that um, drove me nuts. The, yeah. I, I, I feel that I was delivering weed for a company. Um, and my shift was 8 p.m. to 4 a.m. And I was delivering to, I delivered to some movie producer at like three in the morning, like pretty often. And he was just like, yeah, man, you know, I, I work with, uh, I don't even remember Japan or, you know, some country that he had to be up at that point. I was like, this is so fucking weird. You know, I was like, I'd be delivering after midnight, I'd be delivering to like UFC fighters um porn stars and movie producers and it was just very fucking bizarre and i would get home at 4 30 sleep till two whatever it was just like it's not a life bizarre dude that's not <laughs> like <laughs> such a very odd you know obviously there's normal things you could be doing in la but that was just like one of my la things i did it's just like i can't handle with how you know, not like you just said, it's not real life. It's just at least not the real life that I'd like to live. Um, no, this, this rapper that I love, um, he used to come over and smoke with, um, with all of us at, at, at my brother's place. His name's skinny. Um, he would sleep all day and be awake all night. Um, and that always like blew my mind. It's such like a uh, classic, just, an ode to how odd and how like not on track in terms of like normality in terms of what the rest of the world does just LA is, you know what I mean? Um, and it is what it is, you know? And again, I always wish I, I had the mental capacity and patience to go and live up there and, and, and do the whole LA drummer studio thing, but it's just not my vibe. Well, I think something I actually think is better is the fact that you were able to understand that it's, it's not conducive for you because yeah. I mean, think about that. You keep using the phrase that you would have had to have changed to be able yeah. to stay there. I don't think a city should change you. I think, I think anywhere you live, if it's really suited for you, it should bring mm -hmm. out the best in you as you currently exactly. are not to change who you are to become someone else to fit there. And Agreed. I think that's what LA I think that's what a lot of big places like that are is it's a fake it till you make it kind of thing. And to me, yeah. I kind of see through a lot of that shit. I'm just, I don't have time for fake things, fake people. Like, you know, I have adopted this philosophy this year. Like I'm just matching energies, but like mm -hmm. I'm matching. Typically it's funny to when people like, you know, I was just telling uh, Andrew from uh, Idola dance Gavin when we hung out in Detroit, and the place we were at, I was like, uh, he was like, this place is kind of cool. I was like, yeah, last time I was here, we were here to see Being as an Ocean. And some chick here was like being a real bitch, like smacking her credit card on the fucking bar. And I like the bartender came up to me. He's like, you need something? He's like, I think she needs something before me. I can wait. And he goes, no, that's not how that works. I was like, I mean, I know I work in the bar industry, too. So like, I get it. But like, just try to be nice and, you know, go deal with her. And then like, we just kept ripping jokes basically about her, but like not to her. And at the end of the night, she comes up to me while I'm talking to somebody else. And then she's just like, what's your name? And I was like, Oh, it's like John. She goes, Oh, 
well, you seem like a real fucking asshole and I hope you die tonight. And I was like, I was like, well, I'm literally just literally across the street. So I just have to walk. And then I'm in the hotel. And I was like, did you drive? Are you like your friends? And she goes, yeah. And I go, oh, well, it's snowing real bad. You have a way higher chance of dying tonight. So I fucking hope you die. And you see, you are a real piece of shit. So fuck yourself. And then she got real fucking mad at me. And I'm like, she's like, how the fuck could you say that? You don't even know me. I was like, you literally just walked up to me. Don't know me. And said the exact same. Like I pulled the like Pee Wee Herman. I'm rubber. your glue bullshit to you. And now you're fucking upset. No. And it's funny though. Like when doing that to people and just matching their energies, like when people are super nice, if you match that, it's crazy how much nicer people will be to you. But then yeah. adversely, when people are fucking assholes to you and working door at a bar, I really did it then. And it would be funny to watch people be like, you can't say that. You can't do that. Fuck, I can't. I just did. Why Why do you think because why do you have the authority or the <clears throat> ability to say shit to me and act like I can't say something back to you? Like, that's fucked up. And mm-hmm. I think it's this culture of people just assuming because they can curate kind of going back full circle moment people curate the world that they live in like because they live on the internet. So people are used to being able to mouth off anonymously or whatever and have no retaliation back to them. If I don't like you, I can fucking block you. I can get rid of you, whatever I can curate the world. I live in how I want to live it. And that's not real fucking life. Yeah. And I think it blows people's minds when they get some sort of pushback on that shit. And you're just like, no, no, not dealing with that. I feel that. (laughs) But, um, you know, something, you know, you had talked about mental health stuff, and that is something, honestly, I'm a huge advocate for. Um, I, it's kind of funny. One of the uh, – Pat or a tour mate you have coming up uh, here soon, I had gone to therapy, and I had uh, – I think I was two, uh, two sessions in, and I had Lee from Born of Osiris on to talk about his uh, <clears throat> instrumental solo record. And it was the first time – I didn't prep and write a shitload of questions and basically curate an entire conversation where I'm like not allowing for real organic conversation to happen. Even if you said something that I thought was interesting, I wouldn't even follow it. I'd be like, stick to the script. Here we go. And that was the first time I was like, I'm going to do something that I'm learning in therapy, which is to be present and be where I am a hundred percent and just live in the moment and not overthink something to death. And it was crazy how, I don't know if you want to call it fate, the world, whatever it is you want to put on it. It was crazy how I was kind of instantly rewarded for, for doing that because Lee opened up about, you know, his past uh, substance or his like drug or pain pill addiction and so forth. And, you know, talked about, you know, his support group and all that kind of stuff with his friends and family and bandmates and all that. And, you know, how a lot of that actually inspired the record. And he's like, you know, I think I've had one other interview and I just told the person, oh, it's about this. It's whatever. Da, 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 and I just gave him some kind of bullshit answer. It wasn't entirely not true, but it wasn't the truth. And he goes, you, through having a conversation with me, we got to the source of what it really was about. But it's because we we kind of shared in real shit to get there. And to me, I have since then always been such an advocate for it because it's it's crazy in my day-to-day life, like with the things I I had to learn in therapy for myself, how it has helped me and how really in the last year and a half, two years of doing this and doing this more honestly and and in the moment, I walk away from almost every single conversation I have with someone and I go, I'm fucking glad I do this even if no one listens to it because I walk away with one thing typically that I think about for a day, for a week and just resonate and kind of think about how it's presented how it applies to my day to day and it's invaluable. 
Um, so I always am such a strong proponent of, of that. Yeah. I mean, I'm too honest <laughs> to a fault. You know, sometimes I'm not appreciative of how honest I am. Cause maybe I should hold some shit back with, um, maybe strangers or something like that. Not to say you're a stranger, but like other humans that I meet in fucking real life. But I don't, I would cringe inside if we did, we did this whole interview, did this whole podcast and, and I was making up shit, you know, and you asked about what listen music I listened to. And I listed off five metal bands. I'm not that type of dude. I'm, I'm far more honest. And, and again, I'd be cringing inside if I was just like creating this image of myself, but um, you know, when it comes to mental health, I do have anxiety and, and most musicians have anxiety. Um, <laughs> touring is intense, you know what I mean? And, and it's something I struggle with. It's something, um, I'm, I'm constantly working on and, um, it is who it is. It is what it is. And I am who I am as a human. Um, and I'm not going to like hide that. And I, for me, you know, I, I get to bond with people, um, over mental health stuff, you know what I mean? And, and I'm able to help people and, and people are able to help me. And, and that wouldn't happen if I was being dishonest with myself or being dishonest with people. Um, one of my really good friends, um, Bert from the used, um, it's unfortunate that, that it's our topic of conversation every time we hang, but, um, you know, he's been struggling pretty hard this year as I, as a, as have I been, um, and we bond over that shit and we share, Hey, what have you been doing? Oh, this is what I've been doing. And, um, I'll send him audio tracks to meditate to, and he'll send me his new music. And it's just, it, it can be, it opens it up as like a community for helping each other rather than like on some masculine shit or on some, um, more surface level music shit at the end of the day, you know, the more honest you are, maybe you can get some help. Maybe you can open your mind up to some new shit. Um, as well as again, helping people or people helping you. And, uh, yeah, I'm too honest with myself, um, to lie about who I am. Um, and I will always express how, you know, I struggle at times. I'm a human, you know what I mean? It's the same shit as, me telling our fans that I listen to fucking hip hop and R and B all the time. I'm uh, here's who I am. I don't give a fuck if you accept it or not. It's not really why I'm expressing this to you. You know what I mean? I'm just, <laughs> I am an honest person. I'm going to let you know who I am. You know, I think that's the thing is I think a lot of people are afraid to be who they are. You know, I was watching, yeah. was watching with, uh, cause my wife likes, likes watching a lot of terrible reality TV. So I'll just kind of pop in because I just don't enjoy it. Um, but it was interesting cause one of the, I think it's Buckhead Shore, I think is what it's called. And one of the characters I guess is gay, but he hadn't come out to his parents. And then at one point, the thing that kind of intrigued me was like her mom was like, or his mom was like, why on TV? Why did you feel the need to come out on TV? And he goes, cause there's so many people living a lie. Like, you know, younger kids, there's, people who are in their forties, fifties, sixties with kids, full lives that are all based on not being who they really are. And they're trapped or they feel yeah. trapped. And it like, and I kind of started crying. And then my like, I was just like, that got you. And I was like, that's real. Like, it, I mean, you don't have to be gay to have that sentiment ring true for everybody. Cause I'm sure there's a lot of people who feel like they can't be a hundred percent genuinely who they are because of some perceived 
and I don't even know what it is. I don't know if it's judgment. I don't know if it's guilt. I don't know if it's shame or whatever, but it's one of those where it's just like, man, like I'd, it's sad to think that there we are in a world where I feel like being my age, I think it would be a lot cooler to be a young person now. Cause I feel like, I feel like so many kids are able to be who they want to be. Yeah. And like, you can be like, I love metal. I love hip hop. I love whatever. And people will be like, same me too. Like you can find yeah. your people now a lot faster than I feel like it took me to find my people and feel comfortable in who I am. Like, you know, I remember having a conversation with my dad when he was asking me about like all these tattoos and stuff. And do I ever regret them? Cause like now I'm at the point where I just go get weird shit when I'm like, when I travel, I go get a, a tiny little keepsake piece. Like when I go and he was just like, Oh, I wish I could do that. Like, I don't think I can get something that doesn't mean something. I go, it does mean something. It's kind of like a stamp of where I was. It's a yeah. keepsake of this memory. Like some people buy t-shirts or whatever. This is a permanent thing. And I go, you know, honestly, I never felt comfortable in my own skin. I was always tiny. I was born with a cleft lip and palate. I was, you know, told from a very young age by doctors that like, I'm not normal. Here's a graph of normal people. Here's where you fall. You're never going to do these things. And I never felt comfortable in my own skin until I was able to kind of modify it the way I wanted to. And mm-hmm. I know this look may not be for everybody, but it's one of the first times I've been like, this is my body. This is my skin. This is how I choose to be. And I feel comfortable in it. Yeah. And I was like, it's, kind of fucking sucks that it you know took me until being like 20 18 21 to like get there but i think that's that's the thing where i kind of identify with with those same kind of stories where it's like i understand what it's like to not feel welcome or not feel wanted for a multitude of reasons and it fucking sucks and i don't want anyone to feel that way yeah for sure i mean i feel like that's maybe a subconscious um, reason as to why I'm so honest with fans or people is that I almost, I, I want to give them their place to be their honest self as well. Um, why life's way too short for you to be closed minded or, 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 you know, and again, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to drag anyone to tell me everything about themselves, but I hope I could help and inspire. Look at this psychopath. Um, to, to be more honest and open, you know what I mean? Like imagine the things, imagine the way life can open up if you're honest about shit, you know what I mean? And I, again, I bond with certain people I never thought I'd bond with in regards to maybe music that we listen to, or maybe, um, mental health stuff or whatever, random, random thought. I, a random story. I hung out with Tyler, the creator once. And we were talking about the new weekend record and he started to make fun of me in front of a ton of people in regards to me saying that one of the songs was kind of jazzy. And as I look back on it now, the weekends never made anything jazzy. Um, I think I meant more maybe like soulful or whatever. Sorry, bro. Like I, I didn't, you know, I said the wrong thing and he immediately like cut me off and made fun of me and that kind of shit. It's like, man, like, I don't really get that shit. Like uh, you weren't really giving me a place to feel comfortable in front of all these people. Um, But you know, the older you get, the more you realize life is short and um, to open yourself up in more ways than one, be honest with yourself, be honest with all of it. And it it opens up a lot more life than if um, you're closing yourself off to shit. I think Sometimes I wonder, you know, as I get older, I feel like something I notice a lot of people 
seemingly being afraid to not know everything. Yeah. Like, yeah, I've, that's that's something too, man. I my dad last night was ripping on my girlfriend for not knowing who the B-52s are. And it's like uh there's a lot of humans on this on this planet that don't know certain things. And that's always something you don't know that band, bro? Dude, yeah. you you can't like that one record. You don't know that wait, you can't listen to the new stuff. You have to listen. Dude, yeah. I don't know this. It is yeah. it's black and white. I do not know it. Yeah, you cannot rip on people. That's a classic like music industry thing. Oh, dude, you, like I, I for me, you, something that'll offend people. I never really got into White Pony. I never really got into the the records before. I got into fucking Koino Yokan and and and, and um, the ones around that time. Yeah, and then I went back, and it's like there's no blueprint of what you're supposed to do as a human. There's no, there's it, it doesn't have to be this black and white fuck you if you didn't do it this way it's so stupid i think that's like the crazy thing as i as i get older i'm embracing not knowing shit because then you know like um a perfect example of this in actual representation of something that happened so i had uh the singer of future palace maria on uh, a couple of like probably about a month ago but just posted it like the last couple of days i knew nothing about the band a lot of times I get emails for bands I've never heard of. I know nothing about you. You see these like the press releases and they're using stupid buzzwords that I'm like, man, you are trying way too fucking hard to sell this, this thing. Either the music's mm-hmm. good or it's not like, that's really mm-hmm. what it boils down to. But honestly, because this, this has become more of a conversation that I feel like I'll talk to anyone. Cause I have no idea. Like you might have knowledge on some shit that I don't fucking know. Maybe talking to you will make me think of something, make me learn something completely new. Like, yeah, why would I, why would I turn down the opportunity to maybe grow as a person? Yeah. And I constantly think about how I see, like, like I said, sitting at a bar and being a bar person, like door guy, I, I shut the fuck up. I typically don't talk cause I'll just blow my voice out, like trying to shout over all that shit. So I'm sitting and I'm just watching, watching people that are older and watching young kids. I'm, I'm seeing and watching everything. Yeah, And it's always weird to me to like people will talk about something and, and you can tell when someone's bullshit and they're like, oh, yeah, 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 I, I, I saw that or I read that or da, 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 da. Yeah. And I'm like, and I can tell you're bullshit. And I'm just like, just say you didn't like it's OK. Yeah. You are yeah. a one fucking person. You can't literally know everything. It's OK yeah. to say, I don't know that I didn't watch that. I didn't listen to that. It's OK. Yeah. Like, have you is- uh that constantly happens when we're in the bus and we're talking about movies or something. I haven't seen the Godfather. I haven't seen, um, a lot of classics and you could just see like, especially like our older texts or something. What? You haven't fucking seen that? No. And you haven't seen a lot of old movies that I've seen too. And it's like, it doesn't need to be like that. You know, like let's watch it now together. You know, like it, I, I always think that's a hilarious thing. Um, but maybe, maybe it's just we're pre-programmed to do that kind of shit. You haven't done that. You haven't seen that. Um, Cause some, sometimes people get embarrassed when you yeah. put them on the spot like that to, to that extent. It's like, you don't know that you haven't seen that. Uh, it's just like, no dude. Like, and, and that's, and I, and I sometimes tell people I'm jealous that you haven't seen that or heard that because now you get to experience for the first time. And I would love to experience uh, certain things for the first time. It's funny. I just had that with Porter probably about like two months ago. Randomly, somehow we were talking about a perfect circle and he's like, I never listened. I was like, what? I was like, oh, my God. Like, I'm not a big fan, really. 
13th step I'm a kind of on. It's really that first record. I was like, please do yourself a favor. Like go listen to it. Like the, the, it is a whole fucking vibe, that whole record start to finish. And then when I met up with the tour, uh, the nothing more tour, uh, he was like, so I've been listening to Meredith alms. And I'm like, it's a real motherfucker, isn't it? It's so good. He's like, I can't believe I never listened to this. And I was like, you're never too late, man. It's always there waiting for you. But it was just crazy. Like to, to think about shit like that. Like I've, like I had someone because I've never seen Goonies and everyone's like, what? You never saw Goonies? Oh, my God. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, they're like, you need to see it. And I was like, why? So it can remind me of my childhood memories of watching this movie. I don't have. Yeah, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure it literally is not going to do anything for me as an almost 40 year old adult watching a child's movie from the 80s. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It just it won't. I know it, it will have nothing for me. So I'm just I choose not to watch it. Yeah, like I um I'm obsessed with Harry Potter and they were on yesterday only, and I've never seen them. It was on at the bar because I grew up with it and I read, I read the books and then I grew up, you know, and I think maybe it was my buddy Elliot. Um, the other day, um, he, his mom was like, Oh, have you ever seen Harry Potter? He's like, no, nah, you know, and I tell everybody it's kind of hard to get into now. Like the first fucking movie is a Disney movie. And then maybe the second one's Disney too, but like, it's not something easy to get into. And like, by the time you get to the, the last couple movies, it's very adult and anyone our age could get into that kind of shit. But no one, I would never be like, you've never fucking seen that. You know, you haven't seen it. It is what it is. And I fucking understand how maybe you haven't seen it or watched it because it's hard to get into now as an adult. I think, and I think also it's, it's, I mean, this is TMI to a degree, but, uh, it was the weird entryway I got into it. I literally was at an eighties night uh, that they used to have back here on, on Wednesdays. And this dude was like all over this chick. Her body language was very much like not having it. And I just remember like talking to her at the bar and she was like complaining about this dude. She's like, Oh, he's a creepy. Won't leave me alone. I was like, Oh, well, I mean, you know, best of luck to you, I guess. I don't, I don't know what to do. <clears throat> and then I remember we were dancing and that dude was just being a creep. And I go, and I just like, she kind of shot me this like, look like, <sighs> and then I just was like, and this is so out of like the ordinary, but it kind of, again, goes back to me talking about when I moved here, I became me. I wasn't like the friend of a friend of a friend's kind of person. I was who I am and people knew me as me. Um, mm-hmm. So I really kind of blossomed when I moved here. And I remember yeah. just kind of looking at her and I go, and I just whispered in her, I go, do you trust me? And she goes, what do you mean? And I go, do you trust me? And she goes, sure. And then I just like kissed her real quick. Dude fucked off. As soon as he left, I was like, cool. All right. Have a good night now. <laughs> and she was just like, really? You're just going to make out with me and then just leave me alone. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Um, that's why, you know, I basically said, do you trust me? Cause like, I'm not going to be a creepy weird dude and just be like, all right, well now we're making out and now you're mine. So like same thing though, she went to leave, uh, dude was waiting for her. So then she like, kind of, as I was walking out, she grabbed my arm, walked out with me. And then once we got past a certain point, I was like, all right, well have a good night. Maybe I'll see you next week. And she was like, you're not going to walk me home. And I was like, uh, I guess again, this is like the shy (laughs) me coming out where I'm like, girls don't like me. So go home or to her place. And then she was like, Oh, don't make, or don't make fun of my movies. Cause I was looking at her movie collection, which was like all seven movies she had and like four or five were Harry Potter movies. Mm -hmm. And I just remember her telling me, she was like, don't make fun of me for the Harry Potter movies. I was like, why? Like you like what you like. There's no guilty pleasures. Like if you find something in it, cool. And then she goes, you ever seen him? And I go, no. And then so she proceeds to tell me to put on the newest one, which was whatever part in the movie. There's a part two 
So it literally mm-hmm. picks up wherever the, the last movie was. They're like fighting something. I don't know what the fuck it was. Mm-hmm. And I remember she's trying to explain to me the last three or four movies worth of plot. And I'm sitting yeah. here in my head going like, how dumb? Like, why wouldn't you just be like, let's start at the first one and then like go from there. And then I just remember being like, tell you what, if this is like meant to be or something like that, how about we just watch the other ones? Like, just I'll watch this one. Like, I, I, it's fine. I don't know what's going on. Like, I'll figure out what I can. But like, I don't need you talking the whole fucking movie. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I would never if I had to for the two and a half hour, three hour movie. I'm having to describe seven movies to you during it. That's not gonna fly. But that was a that was an interesting night. Uh, and yeah. I just remember just like laughing. I was like. Think like laughing to myself, and she's like, "Oh, grab that one." And I was like, "Who the fuck starts?" Like <laughs> after you, like literally telling someone, like it'd be like going to the Godfather and be like, "All right, well, look, have you seen the Godfather?" No. Okay, grab Godfather three. Let's start there. And you're like, "What the f- who? Who does That's that?" That's funny though, because she's probably like she was already embarrassed, so she was already she's not going to show you the Disney one first. She's going to show you the brutal epic one first, as if you're going to somehow understand what the fuck's going on. Well, and then it's like last night it was on at the bar, and I was like. I was like the dude from uh, Twi- uh, like I knew I knew his real name, but I was like, I was like, dude from Twilight's in this movie, and they're like, oh, only for this one, and then he dies, and I was like, weird. oh yeah, I was yeah. like weird. I didn't know he was in this, and they're like, yeah, yeah. and I was like, huh, weird. <laughs> and then they're like, does it make you want to watch it? And I was like, nope, hundred percent. Still doesn't really make me want to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, it is what it is. Like, uh, I'm not embarrassed that you know my fucking whole right arm is Harry Potter, and like the only people that come up to me and talk to me about it are huge Harry Potter fans. So it's like, you know, it's not like I have some huge Harry Potter portrait and this thing that like makes me stand out as some, you know, it's kind of like a secretive sleeve I have. And again, the only people that come up to me and talk to me are people who are really interested in it. So we have good combos, but I, I think it's funny because I, I haven't really felt the fandom of, of being a fan of something like that in a while. Like mm-hmm. he did broke up. So like, that was it for me. Like, uh, you know, and that was really tough. Cause I remember going to the Christmas shows and I remember telling my wife after ice tea played and I was like, let's just go after ice tea set. And she goes, why you don't want to see Eaton?" And I go, I was like, I already know it's done. Like all the close friends I know that know them are like, this is it. And the, f- the first night was kind of weird. And I was like, I don't want bad memories of my, like my favorite band. I don't want awkward memories. I was like, I'd rather, Especially go that, out. right. Yeah. I'd rather it be, you know, when they played the pyramid scheme and it was like fun and, and it seemed like, you know, they're celebrating this awesome fucking record and they're, you know, we're the second date on the tour. Like I want those memories, but Ice it was interesting. Played? Yeah. He was the direct support for them. Uh, the second was night. it body count or ice tea? I see all rap set. Wow. Sick. It was so it was so awesome. That's like the second wow. time I've seen him, uh, do a rap set in the last probably five or six years. Sick. Um, but and it was really funny too because like you had people shouting like people behind me being like oh he's gonna play body count shit I was like hundred percent he's not no and like no, people and, no. and it was funny though because you can tell like people don't know that shit like they don't know colors six in the morning they don't you know shit like that like uh get butt naked and fuck like they don't know any of these songs and I'm just like <laughs> it's weird to see like a, a full on like eated kind of crowd just kind of like some people knew some of it but like you could just tell like people didn't know that side of ice and it's funny to see it like firsthand where you're just like close-minded people man maybe this will make you be like yo this is dope i'm gonna go check out some of his rap shit i didn't even know he rapped (laughs) yeah i probably just know his his hits i don't really know um a lot of iced tea i toured with body count um 
one summer what, what was it like a mayhem fest we did i or we did body count that was um or i was with dire as murder but um that was super fucking sick um i still haven't seen body count yet sadly i watched um cannibal corpse with iced tea almost every day that was awesome. something i'll always fucking remember it was just me him maybe coco would come up and we just watched he was obsessed with cannibal corpse um and we just watched that every day and they're fucking really fucking chill um yeah that eated shit was awkward huh um i stopped <laughs> being um i stopped i had not i didn't stop being a fan but i kind of just like lost touch with it after um probably after big phenomenon. oh okay no I, I don't even think i got the, maybe i got the parts of big dirty but like again it's just it's nothing against anyone it's just like just like a lot of music listeners, I just didn't follow along. And, um, yeah, I'd be but interested to see, shit. I'd be interested to see since you talk about how you take, how you're naturally kind of very empathic to things. I'd yeah. be interested to see how you, how you react to listening to low teens and this last record specifically. I funny enough. Cause I, you know, I'll, I'll give a spin to a lot of records. I have listened I, I love the new record, especially because I'm a huge fan of Will Putney. Um, I have listened to the song with Andy from Manchester Orchestra. Thing with feathers? Probably 40 fucking times. Like, but maybe it's That's not it, them. It's like, it almost yeah. is like a Radiohead song from like OK Computer maybe it's era. because it's not necessarily a classic Every Time I Die song, but I've listened to the song fucking infinity times. I absolutely fucking love it. Um, and the production on that record is fucking incredible. So I've listened to that a decent amount of times. Um, and yeah, I fucking absolutely love that fucking song. Um, but again, yeah, I don't know when it comes to like music, it, if it, if a lot of it doesn't have like a pop sensibility of like catchiness because death metal can even be catchy. Mm-hmm. I, it just doesn't stick to my brain. It doesn't, it doesn't all, I won't remember it after. Um, and I think some of every time I die, at least for me, just I kind of just got lost with it. Um, there's so much going on and I, I, I wasn't able to remember what I just listened to. And again, that's just me as a music listener. Um, but I appreciate the shit out of it. I've seen them a million times. I saw them back in the day. I probably saw them 2003 and four, you know, and um, that era of music was insane. Every single day I'd wake up and, um, that that music video with the um lion in the beginning or you know what I mean? that, yeah yeah that was on every fucking day and i loved that whole entire record um so again you know what they did for music and uh absolutely incredible yeah 100 percent. but it's funny i realize like i don't really have the fandom of another band like there's really not another band that is like well now it's now this band uh that i'm so passionate about except for now that uh villa from him is just put out a new single today for his record is coming out next year and him was like one of my big still is one of my biggest bands that i love but like they broke up so like i most of like my big bands are gone and it was funny. I was texting with, uh, or I was messaging Amy this morning when she had uh, put out the press release. And I was like, it's weird to still have this sense of like fandom that has kind of long been gone for me for a while. Like, like I said earlier, like I just kind of doing this has kind of taken a lot of it out for me. And that's still one where like 
you know, I still love nerding out about him records. Like, you know, jo- uh, James from 18 visions. And I will like talk about like, Oh, like this is my new favorite him record right now. It's deep shadows. Yeah. I think that's the best record. Yeah. And then it'll be like a couple of weeks later. You might be like, man, I don't know. Dark light though. Yeah, man. Dark lights really fun. And then you're just like, I mean, let, let's be honest. All the records are really great for their own reasons. They're different, but it's funny that like seeing that email, like I remember waking up the day that it was announced that he had a new record. He was going with a solo record. A tour was getting announced. I didn't even see that it wasn't coming out until the next year. I texted him. I was like, please, for the love of God, like, I don't know what I got to do to get him on the show. But like, I was so fucking close when he put out this like EP with his old management, I guess, or something. And then the pandemic happened like two weeks later when we were supposed to do it. So then obviously that's it. It ain't happening. I was like, I don't have many people that I'm like, I, like, that's a bucket list person for me. I've never met the dude, never talked to him, nothing. But like, that's one where I'm going to be like, I, it needs to happen. But I also am interested to see, like, will I be able to kind of tame it down and just be like, all right, you're just a dude. Like, let's just talk. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know. Cause like, I don't have that sense of fandom really anymore to, to any bands really. Cause they're all gone. I, I feel bad for you because that, type of fandom is like what fuels me as a human like in any aspect right food movies tv music and that's something i'm always chasing um because the feeling of that for me is absolutely incredible like i am not ashamed to say that the weekend is one of my favorite artists and i've been listening to him since he first came out so when he puts out new shit i'm like so fucking hyped even though i haven't really been loving the progression but um new stranger things um new... i haven't watched that yet i'm waiting for that to be completely done so i can then just watch it all oh my god wait you haven't watched any of it Mm-mm. okay it, yeah i know a lot i mean watch. i know it's gonna be uh, right in my wheelhouse because it's it, and that was the thing is when it first came out and i knew because they had said all along this is going to be a limited series we're going to do like four seasons and then we're done yeah so knowing that i was like ah like Cause I'm not really good at waiting for shit anymore just because yeah. of the nature of what we do. Yeah. But I also, because my wife and I's taste in things is so different. Like that's going to be a show where I'm like, like I just plowed through Atlanta and like in one day, the new season. Cause I was Ooh, like yeah. waiting for I it. Did. I did too. Yeah. And, but that was the thing my wife didn't want to watch. So like, while she was watching whatever she was watching, I was yeah. like, okay, now I have like time to fill with this one show. Yeah. So stranger things is going to be that for me probably like when we travel, like when I go on flights, that's when I catch up on movies, shows, stuff like that. So like that's next in my queue of something that'll take a little bit longer that I can kind of enjoy. But I, I don't, I, I don't get to consume media as much or as fast as other people. So a lot Mm -hmm. of times when I see shit like that and see people talking about something, I'm just like, yep, cool. I I haven't watched any of it. And then the people just go, Oh, and then they stop thankfully. So I'm not really having anything spoiled. Um, but the show from everything I see, all the people talking about it, it looks like it's going to be like why I enjoy the Goldbergs. Cause it's like, that was my childhood time. And they seem to do a very good job of recreating sort of nostalgia of what like the Ghostbusters when they, that was the big thing from season two. I was like, Oh, I remember that I had a ghost like proton pack. I did all that. Oh, shit. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. there's moments like that where it's like, I can already see where I'm going to fall in line with the characters and be like, Oh my God, this is like hitting all of my nostalgia of like my childhood in this yeah. show you're, with, you're with horror, have, which is something I love too. Yeah. You're going to have several, several hours of entertainment in that regard. Yeah. I, 
I love that feeling of, oh my God, a new fucking season came out. Oh my God, the part three came out. Oh, this new movie came out. I absolutely love that shit. And it's one of my favorite things in the world. Um, so I'm constantly chasing that kind of feeling, you know? I think maybe it's... I think maybe, like, because I kind of speak into like a weird aptitude type thing. A long time ago, I remember in my psychology class in high school, we were given a piece of cake and we all had to wait to eat it. And then the teacher was like, okay, go ahead and eat it. Take the first bite. Just take one though. And then after we took a bite, the person like our teacher was like, who started with the icing? Who started at the middle? Who started here? Like picking apart how we ate the cake. Wow. And he goes, and he goes, do you know what, how you're eating cake? What it tells you, tells me about you. And then it was funny because I always save the icing for last. So like I'll literally eat all the cake and leave all of the icing. And that's the last thing I eat. And there, and I was the only one that did that. And everyone kind of made fun of me at first. And then he's like, that basically is someone who waits for the good stuff, saves it for last. You work, you earn your way to the good stuff. Most everyone else dives right into the icing first, maybe eats the rest of the cake later. Or if they yeah. even finish a full piece. And then I thought about it and I've always kind of feel like that's that's such an interesting way to look at life. Like, how do you eat your cake? Do you eat the icing first? You're probably just rushing to the good shit and not like letting it build up mm-hmm. and enjoying it last. And to me, I feel like I consume and do a lot of things from that mindset. Yeah. Maybe you should eat that cake, bro. Maybe you should <laughs> how, dive do you, into the- how do you eat your cake? Probably, I probably go all of everything the full cake like for instance like the only thing comparison i can think of is like a record comes out and i only have apple music it shows you uh it puts a little asterisk on i guess like what the the most like songs the most like songs yeah something like that i will listen to song one let's fucking go let's go on the journey let's let's whatever um yeah i i don't know why maybe it's because i get a bigger feeling if i get to that instead of go straight to um but it, everyone every human's different that's a deep psychological that should have been psych class not what class did you say it was psychology oh <laughs> yep. got you yes yes yep yeah um it's funny though because uh same with records like i i used to listen to a half of a record and i'd save the other half so then I would still have the newness feeling of a record. Yeah. And a lot of people were like, what? And I go, yeah, like I bought a record and I only listened to the first half to get really a, like understanding the first half. And then I have a whole nother half of a record to go and it's new and I get to experience that record. And I don't really do that anymore. I'll kind of do what you're saying. Like I'll play it top to bottom. But what's interesting is I've been since then a lot with a lot of records that I've listened to so many times, I've actually been putting them on shuffle. And what's interesting when you do that is sometimes songs you don't like make more sense when they're put somewhere else. And then you, and then you kind of go, Oh, well, the song's actually not bad. Maybe it's just the track listing wasn't ordered very well. And this just kind of was a byproduct. Yeah. But it's crazy how you can kind of rediscover something by taking it in different ways. Like I uh, took a trip to Chicago with my wife a couple weeks ago and I had some shrooms and I love shrooms, but I hate eating them. And I very recently found out you can, and I don't know why I never thought to do this, but you can put them in pills, just crush yeah. them, put them in pills. And I was like, why the fuck yep. did I never ever think to do that? Um, mm-hmm. So I've been enjoying microdosing and doing that, but we're in Chicago 
and I knew we, neither of us had to drive because uh, we were just taking the trains and all that kind of stuff, and we didn't have very far to go. I remember taking them when we went to uh, before we went to a baseball game, so we're outside. Nice, nice. kind of fall, fall night, and they didn't kick in as fast as I thought they were going to. So I was like, "Oh fuck, I guess they did." Because I'm still figuring out like this is how much what I normally take is in pill form. Yeah how how do you kind of take them and what does it do and all that kind of stuff. Um, I remember sitting at the bar and I actually was going to post the video on my socials just real quickly. Cause I think it's funny to be like, then the video is going to be when the shrooms kick in and you're mm-hmm. not where you thought you were going to be when they were going to kick in. But my mm-hmm. wife thought I was taking a photo of myself and then like leaned in to like be in it with me. And I was like, well, this will be funny. Cause she knew I took them. So I hit record and I was like, shrooms kicked in. And then she just like, <laughs> looked at me, didn't quite hear what I had said. Cause we we're in a bar. And then heard and understood what I said, and then just kind of looks at me, laughed, and then we both just started laughing. And it's one of like my favorite things of our. I think it's so telling of our relationship. But like, it's so weird to say it like that, but it was because I feel like some people probably feel like they have to do something like that and keep it away from their partner because like, oh, you're gonna be judgy and weird or whatever. Yeah. And mine here it is. We're having it's just the two of us. We took a weekend for the two of us, and it's just us hanging out like we always do. And I was just like, and instead of like her being judgmental or shitty or weird, she was just like, oh, that's fun. And then we yeah. just kind of had like shared a moment. And, you know, it was one of those things where I've been wanting to take them since going to therapy and and more recently having uh, my cards read for the first time. And I was like, yeah, what is actually Craig from uh, uh, fuck, what band is he in? straight from the path? Uh, posted this on Twitter the other day. And, and I was like, 100 percent feel this where he was like, sometimes I think more people need to take shrooms because you should be a passenger in your own life and see what it was like. And I was like, so fucking get it. So profound. That's entirely how I feel about it because it gets you out of your own way and will help you yeah. maybe deal with some bullshit that you just don't want to deal with or think that you have suppressed or whatever. And I realized like in that moment, like with all the therapy and shit, I was, I just like looked at my wife and I was like, man, I, I love our life. And I love that. Like, you know, we're each other's best friends and we, we do shit. And like, I know yeah. I'm on, high on shrooms and this is why i'm like saying this shit but like also like if i don't say it enough i'm sorry maybe i should fuck yeah yeah me and um i mean especially because maybe it's because i live in san diego i mean um i'm a huge fan of <clears throat> all the medicinal research going into stuff like that um i do dmt probably once a month once every other month um I was taking mushrooms pretty regularly with my lady or I would do them on my own. Um, but it's pretty awesome to go from the stoner I was of smoking all day, every day to kind of probably like escape. And I thought, you know, that that was just how I felt great every fucking day. And I can't handle that anymore now, but (laughs) I love now being 34 and like being able to use this kind of shit that was taboo and faux pas and and being able to use it for the medicinal um, and like spiritual and just like, you know, like the healthy ways of like using these plants and these things um, to get something a lot more out of it than to party. Yeah. I think that's the, I think that's why I've enjoyed my limited experiences with everything. You know, it's funny. Uh, a friend of mine uh, put me in touch with Chris from Poison the Well because he's like, I think you guys would have a good conversation. Like, if you want to talk to him, I was like, sure. Had no idea where it was going to go, and basically, it was us talking about 
through various psychedelics, like what we've learned about ourselves and other people in, in our world, basically. Yeah. And I remember posting it and kind of being afraid because it's like, you know, I mean, not that I give a shit, like basically I work in a bar industry, so not really a big surprise, but uh, that, you know, we do drugs on occasion, but I have such yeah. a healthy respect for it. I think because of being so into music and reading all the cautionary books and shit that basically line my, my bookshelf that it's like, I've always understood that like some drugs are really bad. And if you're using it literally to escape who you are and what you are and not being comfortable with who you are and, and not dealing with any of that shit, it's probably why a lot of those people do those drugs. Mm-hmm. If you do more of the, the psychoactive type stuff like shrooms and uh, like DMT and acid and stuff like that, like, Anytime I've done any of them, I don't do them all the time. So, I, like I said, it's it's kind of a quality over quantity when yeah, I do them, sure. yeah. and it's more for kind of just you know, like I said, with therapy, like my thing was overthinking things and not being present. And to me, doing those things kind of forces me to be very in the present and in the moment. Yeah, and it's one of those where I'm thankful that I've had those experiences and and getting to at times bond with other people who have done them and kind of learn more about them. And I constantly like tell my wife, I'm like, I wish you would try some of these things and just see what it does for you. Yeah. Cause like you know I would be interested. I know what it does for me, but then, she, you know, it's yeah. like she was saying, she goes, it may not do that for me. And I go, I mean, I guess, but you, I don't know, you don't know. Like, don't yeah. you want to know? <laughs> yeah. I've gone pretty fucking deep on DMT. Um, and as cheesy as it is especially if you're a metal fan listening to shit i mean it fills you with love it fills you with gratitude it fills you um it sheds a lot of bullshit from your stresses and from your conscious um and my lady hasn't gone there yet and i'm like Hmm. you should go there you know and it's like but it's fucking intense too and like i get the the worry or the fear of going that deep because it's fucking intense um, but I've, you know, you got to let everybody do yep. their thing. And, um, some people aren't ready to dip their whole leg in and maybe they want to dip their toe in. And I give, you know, I, I express to people what it does for me and I give them the platform to fucking do their thing. But, um, yeah, it's, it's nice to have all these, um, studies and, and then kind of just taking away, um, the negative like mystique of, of, of things like that. And just allowing it to be a, a betterment of your life instead of some party thing. I remember a friend of mine that I used to live with here, um, had got, he was big on 4chan and found plant additive from overseas. That was basically DMT type like, yeah. um, and it was like three different, uh, compounds basically and it was like you can take all of them individually you're fine you can take this one and this one and you're fine you can mix these like it was just like basically like don't mix A and C ever oh wow And it w- but the crazy thing about this shit was because uh, you put it in water and then basically you drink it and it absorbs into your system so fucking quick that you yeah. can get to a peak of your high in about like four minutes yeah. and then so if you just want to stay there you can just keep re-upping oh and wow it taught that that experience taught me that you, there can be too much of a good thing and you have to know, like have to have restraint because again, going back to the cake eating thing, like I was like, I enjoy this so fucking much and I'm enjoying the experiences I'm having, you know, going out and listening, you know, listening to music and feeling the music. I remember that's where like classic (laughs) drug song, listening to the verb bittersweet symphony and just being like, Oh my God, this just, this feels good. This is a good Mm -hmm. song. And 
you know, connecting more with my dog that I had at the time. Like it was one of the like terrible off leash, but we went outside for a walk and she didn't leave my side. She stuck with me and I was like, she knows, she knows. Mm-hmm. Like we're bonded forever. Like we're, we're homies. Like she knows what yep. I, that I can't deal with her running away. Yeah. And it was just like one of those things where like, you know, the bond between, you know, humans and animals and so forth is deeper than I think we, we tend to think it actually is and things like that. For like, sure. you know, thinking about all these things, but then I just realized at a certain point I was like, I can't live in this state forever. Like at some yeah. point I have to stop. Yeah. And I chose to stop before everyone else, but it was interesting because everyone's like, you know, you want to keep going. I was like, no, like I have to come down from this at some point. I've had like, enough frosting. Yeah. I need to, I need to be done. I yeah. like have shit I have to do tomorrow. Like, and I can't be all jittery or whatever. Like I just, I can't like, we gotta be done. And yeah. it was just kind of really weird. And I remember thinking at the time I was dating someone before my wife and I had chose that, that experience taught me that I had someone who I really liked, but I was dating someone who lived like five minutes from me and I never fucking saw and never made time for me. And my now wife drove across town to come see me on a random like Thursday to hang out. And I was like, that relationship's done. I need to go see where this one's going to go. For sure. And it's funny. Like I tell my wife that all the time. I'm like, you realize like a drug trip is what made me realize I needed to like ditch this year, year plus relationship and see what was between you and me. Yeah. I I love that. Yeah. And then like, I, and I want that for other people. And like, so what I say, when I say, and we talk about different stuff on this show. It's not to be like, yeah, do drugs. It's no, no. Explore, explore you. Yeah. Get to know who you are. Get to know more about yourself than maybe you even know or are willing to learn currently. Let it yeah. open up and, and see what it reveals to you. I think it takes a certain age or a certain level of life and maturity for you to start doing things that are for the benefit of you instead of, um, because someone else is doing it or because someone else recommends it. And obviously I'm as much as he's probably canceled to an extent. I love Joe Rogan and, um, and I mostly love that show. I don't really listen anymore because it's on Spotify, but um, he has very brilliant people on there. And um, one of the scientists that's on there that um, talks about psychedelics and shit, he has a new Netflix documentary um, that my mushroom one. Yeah, that my yeah. parents are bringing up. Uh, my parents, um, who are, you know, everyone in California is becoming more in tune with the scientific shit behind psychedelics and whatever else. But even my parents were like, did you hear about this documentary? I'm like, yes, go fucking watch it. Because, like, if, you, if you're if you scared of your son explaining psychedelics to you, <laughs> then go watch this fucking old scientist who's going to tell you how much love he's filled with every time he does it. And maybe that'll get through to you and then you'll want to do it. Um, but yeah, again, I mean, do things for you, for whatever is going to benefit you. I definitely didn't do DMT because I thought I was going to fucking party and see shit. I wanted to fucking have, you know, a, a greater fucking more um, enhanced version of my life or more enhanced experience and fucking why not? But again, I, I when I was a kid, I never dived into shit. I, I was a stoner. Other than that, my friends were doing acid. My friends were doing ecstasy. And um, <clears throat> my parents were far too strict um, for me to feel like I could do that shit. So I was always just like their driver or, you know, their buddy, their babysitter, whatever the fuck. But I definitely am stoked that I didn't dive into any shit like that until I was older. And I still haven't done a lot of shit. I, I'll probably never do acid. I've, I've seen several friends have traumatic life-ending acid trips. Um 
but I love being able to dabble in certain things. You can't dabble into acid. I think you actually can microdose acid. You can microdose. Yep, that's how I did I'm, it. I'm fucking good on that. I, maybe I'd microdose. Make, okay, let me backtrack. <laughs> I would microdose some acid depending on the circumstance. But, you know, I, I, I am in tune with my mind and how sensitive I am. I'm fucking, you know, I, I've never really wanted to do things that took me here. I'll, I'll get to there if that's a thing. But um, I'm definitely in the more side of like, I'm not trying to party. I'm definitely trying to just heal my mind and, and, and become, you know, enter new places of enlightenment rather than, um, you know, push the fucking cortisol and serotonin levels to the, uh, to the max. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's funny. I, I feel very akin to Kevin Smith in the last couple of years. Cause like he became a stoner in the last like 10 years. I'm still not there. I basically use it to go to sleep because I have terrible Same. like sleeping patterns. And it's one of those where I've even realized that the way I, uh, my relationship with, with it is probably not the best. Cause I'm like, usually it's like, okay, I get home from a bar or shift or whatever. I'm trying to go to bed so I can get up and hang out with my wife or whatever. So my thing is smoke, 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 get as fucking high as possible to then go to bed really quickly. Yep. So recently I've started changing my relationship with it where it's like, I'll take like the pen to the bar. I'll take a hit and I'll just kind of hang. And then I'm finding like a new balance where it's like, I can be high sort of, but I'm not like, like smoked out of your fucking mind where you're just like, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I think it's funny. Like, cause a lot of people are like, Oh, it's, it's weird that you are almost like in the last two to three years is when you started smoking weed. And I was like, well, I mean, it just became legal first and foremost. So it's a lot easier now. Like I can literally just go down to the store and go get it. Yeah. Secondly, like again, it's portable now, so you can do this. It's less harmful than lighting up a fucking bong and taking giant rips. Yeah. So it's like, I'd rather do that and have that be my thing. Plus, honestly, since I've started smoking, my drinking has gone down exponentially for sure. And I feel a lot better. Hey, can I interrupt you? Can I pee real quick? Yeah. One sec. Yep. My bad, my man. Um, Very good. Yeah, I I used to smoke like crazy, and it, I, it was like a prerequisite if I was going anywhere. So, is it know. because of your anxiousness though? Was it a way to cope with doing like being normal and presentable to other people? Uh, it, it, for a while, it was like, yeah, like it, it did get rid of certain anxieties, and like it, it, it for me, I felt like my best self like that, and it. Um, and until it's until it started to be the opposite to where it started just giving me anxiety and it, it wasn't allowing me like to be present and I was just in my head freaking the fuck out. So I just listened to myself and I stopped doing that shit. Simple as that. Um, <laughs> but I do miss it. You know, I mean, I do miss it what, for what it was, but it, it, it uh, now that I'm here and where I am mentally, it definitely um, I think it definitely took away from. I was going to say, I think it definitely took away from being present, but maybe it also put me in the most fucking present place at times. And I was completely out of my head. But again, I, I just felt like at some point, like a lot of people I talk to, especially at, a, at my age or whatever, is that it just like sometimes it fucking starts turning on you and you can't necessarily keep up with it, which is totally fine. I mean, one time um, I was with the day to remember in LA and we went to dinner and then we went to a bar and we were at the bar I was like, oh, shit, I haven't smoked. And they, they know me to be Mr. fucking Stony. You know, I always have pens and shit on me. And 
And I was like, oh, okay. I took a huge rip of a pen. And I was like, Phew. I was like, oh, fuck. Okay. That was a fucking rip. <laughs> I tried to give it to somebody else, whatever. And then all of a sudden, within 10 seconds, I was like, oh, I'm going to pass out. Like, I'm going to pass out no matter what. And I like sit down. I told my brother, hey, can you get me a water? And I was like, okay, the water ain't going to do it. I'm going to pass out. And I look and I see the doors probably, I don't know, 40 yards away, 30 yards away. And I was like, fuck, okay. Oh, I, I know I just need to get outside and get some air, maybe like lay down or whatever. And I get up and probably within 10, 20 feet, I completely started blacking out. And mm. I, and this is kind of like traumatic for me. It's funny. I'm saying it in a funny way because it is what it is now. And I'm not doing that kind of shit anymore. But I fucking fully passed out on the way to going outside into a table of people, mm. landed into this table of people. Um, and I woke up outside um with my eyes rolling in the back of my head with my brother like slapping my face trying to wake me up like fully fully passed the fuck out and i maybe that was like potentially the last straw of me smoking in public um was you know that fucked me up it made me feel like i died for like three or four days and it made me feel just so drained and dead um and I was on the fucking SIA tour. I was working for Miguel and I could not afford to be fucking dead. I'm waking up at 9am loading into an arena, doing arena shows every day. Like I couldn't afford to fucking be as zombified as I was. Um, so I think maybe that was my life, my last like hardcore lesson of like, you can't fucking smoke in public anymore, bro. Um, <laughs> and I've heard a ton of people have happened to like, um, a friend of mine recently hit his pen and he passed out on a train, um, <laughs> like, like started pouring sweat. And then he's just like, okay, I'm not going to get up, but I'm just going to like pass the fuck out right here. Like weed's gnarly. Like, especially it is now. Days, <laughs> especially, yeah. Especially these days, man, with these pens and shit, like it, it's not necessarily that it, it's a combo of like, you know, these, the, the weed these days is really fucking intense, at least in America at these dispensaries as well as like, you don't know where your body's at at that point, you know, like exhaustion, sleep patterns, food, um, blood sugar, hydration that we can fucking take you down. hundred percent. It's, it's wild. I've, I've definitely smoked too much on occasion, but like I said, my, my thing is that's what the desired result is, is to not black out, but like, be like, I'm really fucking tired. <laughs> so I'm going to go. Yeah. But yeah. in that though, I realized it's the like best sleep I've gotten. Uh, I get like consistently. I sleep through. I don't wake up randomly in the middle of the night. And then I'm like, well now I'm awake. Uh, when I was looking at getting a different job, I stopped smoking. And then I realized just how fucking asinine of a world we live in where it's like, okay, I'm having problems sleeping. Melatonin pretty much doesn't do shit for me either. Like yeah. I tried that. And it was like my drinking started going back up where I'm like, cool. Well, I had a drink because drinking is okay and that won't be tested. Yeah. So that sucks. Yeah. And I'm just like thinking about how dumb it is that it's like you can have people who are full blown alcoholics <laughs> drinking a fifth or whatever could kill someone literally because of doing it. But because I want to go home and hit this a couple of times so I can have like good six, seven, eight hours of sleep so I can be a normal functioning person in the morning. Like what the fuck's wrong with that? Like it's yeah, just it's 100%. so it's so stupid. Like this the stigma behind it, and that it's like we're still it's 2022. There's dispensaries a million places in here in Michigan. It's like you can just recreationally go get it, but 
well, a job can tell you that it's legal and you can't, you'll get tested for it. You're like, that's dumb. Yeah. It's uh, I'm hoping in however many years it takes that it becomes, um, I don't know. I don't know if it'll ever become as normal as booze because of the money being put into making sure that the booze industry stays where it is. Cause I know a lot of people, if they, if they don't fall in love with smoking, they kind of fall out of drinking is heavy. Like you've said, you know, like maybe they'll have an IPA or they'll have like a really nice beer, but they won't have six. Nope. Um, and you feel a lot better when you, when you're smoking instead of drinking. And again, we're not sitting here trying to tell everybody in the world to smoke weed and do your fucking thing. But, um, as adults this is who the fuck we are. And, um, yeah, for me now I'm more on the tip of like, it has to have CBD in it or I might, it might exacerbate <laughs> my anxiety. Um, but I'm lucky enough to where literally three blocks from me, um, I'm probably going to go today and get some CBD stuff and it's just fucking there, you know, because it's, it's not party time. It's, I, this is what helps me sleep or this is what helps me with this. And it's, there's medicinal benefits and I'm going to go fucking shop because I'm an adult and this is where we're at in California in 2022. Um, but yeah, it is a trip to go from uh, buying weed in some dude's car in a parking lot somewhere <laughs> in high school. In high school, to you know, some young chick at the dispensary explaining me all these fucking products and their sodas and juices and syrups and candies and it's fucking ridiculous. But yeah, again, I, I'm I'm more on the medicinal side of everything these days, and um, I barely even drink anymore, and um, definitely just. Yeah, you're just growing as fucking humans, aren't we? It's funny. I'll leave you with this because I got to get ready to go to work at the the brewery here in a couple, like a little bit. Um, nice. So I was in Buffalo for actually the Eats at Christmas show a couple of years ago, and we thought because it was around the time where lead, weed started being legal in places. So we're at this like little bodega by our B and B, and I'm like, "Yo, are they fucking selling gummies?" So I was like, "Take a pack of those," and he's like, "All right." I remember we were going out to Niagara Falls and it's like winter time. So I fucking pop one because my wife's driving. And then like we get there, I'm like, I don't really feel anything. She's like, take another one. And I was like, fuck it. <laughs> Ate another one. And we're like walking around and it's just crazy. Like to, to see something that you like see all the time in photos and shit. And just like, you're there. Um, and she was like, you feel anything? I was like, no, but my back feels really fucking good. And we went back to the B and B, and I looked at the package, and I was like, "Oh, these are CBDs." <laughs> so I was like waiting for this effect to happen, and it, surprisingly, it wasn't even like a. I was kind of surprised that I didn't have like that. Uh, uh, shit, what is it called when you the placebo effect? I'm surprised I didn't yeah. like manifest something in my own in my own I know. brain. Uh, but it was funny that I was like, oh, my, "My fucking body feels really good, though." Like back doesn't hurt like my knees aren't kind of whatever my ankles aren't like bothering me and it's cold so usually they do when that is the case mm -hmm. and i was like oh but it's it's kind of funny but i was it was kind of weird because when we went this last uh that last detail christmas show we went back to niagara and i had completely forgotten until my wife was like what the fuck is that in the in the river and i was like oh yeah some lady drove her car into the river and it was oh, like shit. five feet from being over the cliff and like, I was wow. like, I forgot. I was like, I forgot about that. She was like, how the fuck do you forget a car is like some lady drove her shit into the fucking thing. And I go, <laughs> I don't know. I just literally forgot. Like, I mean, we were in Michigan yesterday and now we're here. Like, I mean, I just didn't think much about it. Like, 
you're in one state, literally met and metaphorically, like, and then you show up here and you're just like, Oh yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. But, uh, very much enjoyed chatting with you. Um, this was, I actually have tried DMing you so many times to come on the show, but uh, I have become a large proponent of things will happen when they're supposed to. So I feel like Fuck this man, was... I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's sh- shit. I'm sure your DMS are like most people's uh, with the blue check mark where you just got tons and tons and tons. So it's just lost in the sauce. But I mean, I... not to like toot my own horn. It's correct to an extent, I guess, but it's literally, Hey man, how do you record your videos? Hey man, do you, how do you record your videos? Hey, are you using a GoPro? Hey, how are you? So to tell everybody real quick, if you've lasted this long on the podcast, I use the <laughs> Yamaha EAD10 and I use a GoPro. That's it. I've told everybody infinity times that's what I'm using. You can literally see it in all my videos. That's all I do. I use the speed metal setting. Have fun. Thanks. <laughs> but I uh, very much appreciated this. This was a lot of fun. And uh, it was kind of funny because like uh, when I had Patrick from Ice Nine on uh, a little while ago, we joked about how he was like, yeah, no one ever asked to talk to the drummer. They always want to talk to like the guitar player or the singer or whatever. And I was like, ah, I kind of like to talk to people who don't get to do much press stuff. Cause like, I think they're the most interesting people cause we don't know much about them. Yeah. And, and I don't do an interview every day. So I'm probably less um, jaded from saying the same shit all the time. Um, yeah. Like certain interviewers, interviewees are, but um, yeah, I even asked my manager, Cause he asked me what yesterday or the day before about it. And, um, I was like, are you, are you sure? Like, is the band? <laughs> Cause like, why me? And he's like, Oh, he asked for you specifically. I'm like, if the band's okay with that. Yeah. I mean, I'll talk to whoever, whatever, but, um, as long as they're okay with it, you know, whatever. But yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I specifically asked for you, and that always is usually the reaction is everyone's like, really? Me? Why? <laughs> <laughs> but I I feel like, uh, you know, having some mutual friends uh, between the two of us, I've heard nothing but great things about you as a person, and uh, that's why, honestly, I've been trying so hard to get you, because I'm like, you, like I said, kind of matching energies. I trust, like, Porter's, like, one of the nicest fucking people I know. Like, that dude one is a homie, humans. and you know, we somehow got to talking about you a while ago and I was like, is he as, is he as nice and like, as he seems like, cause he's someone I want to have on the show. Cause I think we'd really have a good conversation, but I, I don't know. Cause I don't really know many people that like, I know a ton of people that know him, but I don't, I haven't asked them. And he was like, no, he's, he's the best. Just reach out to him. And so, like I said, like if like Porter's kind of my barometer, like there's certain people in the industry that I'm like, is this person good or no? And if they say yes, then I'm like, all right, then like, I know that like I'll get along with you just fine. I could never see Porter saying that person isn't a good person, but um, um no, he he wouldn't favorites. he wouldn't say it like that. He would just be like, yeah, mm, not my he's not my not my type of person, or he's not my kind he of would, people. He would yeah, he'd he still be this. nice and be like, I I mean he's nice. I just he's I I'm not super friendly with that person or something like that. He's very diplomatic in the way that he says things like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have the energy to. I'll be like, nah, fuck that guy. Yep. Um, Same. No, I love Porter very, very, very fucking much, and um, I'm very lucky to have met him so early um, on in my career. And yeah, I fucking love those guys so much. Hundred percent. Well, thank you for taking the time. Uh, sadly, I won't be around in the area when you're here in Michigan, but uh, potentially, whenever you are around in this area, or if I somehow and wherever you are, uh, we should link up and have a beer and 
smoke our joints or whatever. <laughs> just Sounds fucking good, out. man. Yeah, if you can make it to any of these shows, reach out and let's let's get you to come hang. Sure, absolutely. Well, enjoy the rest of your day, and uh, I will obviously tag into all that when this comes out. Appreciate you, brother. Yeah, have a fucking great day at the brewery. Serve it up, spread some smiles, and uh, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. So that was my conversation with Tanner Wayne. Again, really want to thank him for taking the time uh, to chat, to to be so open and honest about a lot of what we talked about. Um, you know, I think that's the thing that's that's kind of interesting and, and kind of, again, bringing up Porter. You know, Porter has said something to me a while ago when we did uh, one of our podcast episodes about how, you know, I have this skill. And, you know, it was the phrasing of how he said it. You have this skill to, to make people feel calm and at ease and, and, and to be allowing to open up to you essentially as, as a stranger. And it's taken me a while to really understand that that is, is a thing because to me, I feel like we collectively all have the ability to communicate with, with anyone. Um, but I do realize that there is something that not everyone has the ability to to make people feel at ease when you're talking to them, to make people feel like they can talk and tell a stranger that they just met, you know, 30, 40, 50 minutes, an hour ago, uh, some really personal things that have happened to them in their life. And I, I find it interesting as I get older and as I have been doing this show now coming up on six years that it happens so often because I, I don't, I think because it happens so often, it almost has kind of lessened that effect to me where I, I, maybe that's why, because even before the show, that's sort of how my life has been is getting people to tell me things. Um, you know, it was interesting. I, I did an interview for a job I have now at a brewery and in the interview, the, the GM kept making the comment about how they had wanted to ask me about the podcast cause they were intrigued by it. And the interesting thing was, was, you know, an hour, hour and 20 minutes, you know, we, we never really did a formal interview. It just kind of was a conversation that touched on these, these various things that he wanted to know for, for the sake of an interview. And at the end he was like, man, I'm really bummed. I never got to ask you about the podcast, but like, I feel like we need to go like have a drink and, and just keep talking. And I was like, I mean, essentially you just got a, a, a small version of what the podcast really is. And I'd made the comments to them. And I was like, I mean, at one point when I kind of explained to you that, you know, I'm going to choose my wife and my marriage over a job. And that's essentially what made me leave the place I was at at the time. And, you know, and in that, of me telling you that, you then relayed to me that, you know, you totally understand and respect that as someone who was married and lost your marriage due to choosing your career over your wife and over your, uh, you know, your marriage. <laughs> And I was like, tell me another interview you've done where you, you know, admitted that. And he was like, I've never admitted that in an interview. And I don't really think I've said that really to many people. And I was like, that's what the podcast is. That's kind of the hook of the podcast. That's what makes podcasting interesting to me. That's when it that's when it's quote unquote working. When people are don't have their walls up and, and are just willing to to communicate and, and express real emotions in real time and talk about some heavy shit. And there was times, you know, in my chat with Tanner where I wanted to press and ask some questions, you know, kind of about his anxieties and um, all that kind of stuff. And, and I didn't really feel comfortable until the end where I was like, you know, you keep saying that you feel bad because you couldn't adapt to L.A. 
And to me, that was the, the common sentiment I kept thinking of. Is like, you shouldn't have to change. We shouldn't have to change who we are to make it somewhere. Wherever we end up should bring out the best in us. What already naturally exists in us as people. Grand Rapids has been that for me. Grand Rapids has been that for my wife. Some people, and I've had close friends who have lived here and been like, I, I can't live here. It's not for me. It's, it's this, it's this, it's this. And I've told some people that have moved back home or moved back to different cities. And I go, because I've lived all over Michigan at this point in my life. Uh, and most other than Detroit, I haven't lived in Detroit, but I've pre pretty much lived in every major city in, in Michigan at this point. And it has become this thing where I've said, I know what you mean because I felt that way when I lived here. I felt that way when I lived here. I felt that way when I lived here. I think sometimes we don't give credence to our location, our environment, and what it does to us in our own personal growth or stunting our, our growth as people. And it's something I... After talking with Tanner a couple of days ago as I'm, I'm recording this, it's something I've actually been thinking a lot more about. You know, I work with a lot of younger people who are talking about like, you know, I'm graduating college soon or whatever, and, and I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to go here. I want to do all these things. And they speak so matter-of-factly. And it's funny to to almost in some instances have almost 20 years on some of these people and thinking about how I felt about the world, how I thought, oh, if I just go here, this is what happens. And that's not always the case. And it's sometimes kind of interesting to, to look back and be like, oh, youthful exuberance of where I think I know everything and all I got to do is just do this, do this, do this, and everything will just fall into place. And that's not how life works. It, it's, you know, it's kind of the journey you go on of, of exploring yourself and, and finding yourself on the other end and, and finding out what you're made of and who you are and who you really are. And I think in all of that, that's where the good stuff is. That's that's where we find out so much more about the world and our lives and, and what it can be and what we want it to be. And for that, um, that's kind of as heady as I'll get. I'll start wrapping up this episode. Uh, if you would like to keep up with Tanner, it's uh, real simple. You can find him at Tanner Wayne on Instagram. There is uh, a Twitter page he has, but it doesn't look like it's been updated in a couple of years at all. doesn't even look like he uses it. I could be in completely wrong, but if you'd like to keep up with that, it's Tanner Wayne, but the A is with a four. Uh, if you'd like to keep up with Inflames, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram at Inflames, and Twitter is at Inflames underscore SWE. And uh, yeah, check out the band. They're on tour. Uh, we'll be touring pretty heavily here in the States, uh, doing two fall runs. Uh, I thought I remember seeing something about them doing going into touring in the new year, but I could have been a multitude of tours I've been seeing posted about. Uh, so if, either way, if the Inflames is around your area, please go see them. Uh, Tanner is great. This live show is great. A uh, lot of hits. I think uh, at times we can forget how many just great albums and songs that that band has put out and that they're still continuing to put out great new material. So go support the guys uh, in that band if you are able to. Speaking of support, if you really keep up with the podcast, follow us at Bruce Speak Pod on all the socials. Uh, you can also support our sponsors. Uh, if you go over to rockabilia.com, use the code BRUTALLY at checkout. You'll take 10% off your total purchase order at the end there. I want to thank those guys and gals uh, for all their support. The Bean Bastard, go to thebeanbastard.com, pick up some delicious coffee. If you're in the Buffalo, New York area, please go to the Brick and Mortar and support them, uh, a great local business in the Buffalo, New York area. 
And last but not least, On Point Palmade. Use our code BSP15 at checkout. Take 15% off your total purchase order to keep your beard and hair looking on point. Holiday season is right around the corner, so use all the codes, save some money, look good for those family photos and so forth. And for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John, and I will see you all next week or whenever I decide to post the next episode because I'm about to have a shitload of content real fast again, and I think I might go to two episodes a week for a little bit. Uh, with Alfonso from Heartsick, uh, that was from a live stream I did literally last night as when I'm recording this. Uh, it already exists on Facebook and so forth, so if you haven't seen it, you'll get to hear the audio of it. Uh, it was a great chat, kind of about community, gatekeeping in the hardcore scene, and just a lot of things that we uh, collectively had gone through uh, in the last couple of days, and really proud of it. Uh, I think we touched on a lot of great things, and I'm excited for everyone to hear it if you didn't see it already. Uh, And until then, I'll talk to you all next time.